All the latest news, views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. And thank you for tuning in again to 442 FM. I am your host, Adam Jackson. And to talk about a very exciting round and, and a brilliant end to this A-League season, uh, I have editor Kevin Ayres. Hello. We've got Con Stamacostas. Good morning. And Tom Stelzer is back after his pod debut. How's it going? Good to have you back, mate. Um, repeat, repeat performance on the pod. Hopefully. Back by popular demand. Overwhelming popular demand. <laughs> Some great feedback. Con wasn't keen on him, actually. Yeah. Well, he's the tallest man in the room with the deepest voice. Which <laughs> <laughs> is very confronting. Right. <laughs> we, we, we'll stay with you, Con. Um, we mentioned very briefly last week about your um, very interesting piece in the latest issue of 442. On sale now. Came out yesterday. Bye. On sale. On sale now. Get, get out to your nearest news agent if you're not a subscriber. Um, but we're going to have a quick run through it now, and um, it's some really good talking points to come out of it. And, um, and we'll probably start with the kind of the expansion. Cause it's all about the expansion um, as opposed to the promotion relegation. Yeah. Um, you gave us kind of a little bit of a synopsis on on the piece last week. Yeah. Um, so we'll just dive into the expansion and maybe go through a few teams that um, or uh, expansion areas that have been tagged. Uh, so the one that, that I think is um, has got quite a lot of attention recently, is, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to start there, is Canberra. Yeah, well, Canberra had a uh, had a go um, a few years ago. They got uh, uh, me- they had me- uh, potential members pay money, so for a membership already. I think they got to maybe five thousand people. I wish I could remember, but um, yeah, Ivan Slavich. He's a Canberra business, businessman that was funding it as well. Capital Football um, was was involved as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the FFA included Townsville and Gold Coast, Canberra was just put aside. So ever since then, they've kind of still been in the mix. But, I mean, the, the, the case for expansion and promotion relegation is the hottest topic at the moment. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's writing stories. Fox Sports recently did a round table discussion. We've got a square t- uh, rectangle table, <laughs> so we've got a probably different point of view to them. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but um, it's fun. Canberra's a funny one because every time you talk to someone about Canberra, it's, they always say to disgrace there's no um, team uh, from the capital. Um, and every other country in the world who has promotion and relegation has a team from their capital city. You've put in here um, Abuju from Nigeria and Ottawa. So if those two countries have teams, then surely they they don't. don't. Well, so they're they're one of the few um, places in the world that that don't have a team in their in their capital city. Um, There's a few others, but of kind of. Uh, diminishing. Cap- Canada is a bit like Australia as well. That Ottawa isn't really a proper capital anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like a, a political capital mm. rather than a, a population capital. Mm. And, and I think, and I think Abuja can be um, 
given the same tag as well. You know, yeah. it, was, it was it was Lagos until quite recently, and they decided to move it out and go into uh, uh, kind of outside of their, their main city. And um, Abuja, Abuja, I mean, the opportunities there for chance. Abuja, Abuja. <laughs> how good is that? That's a great name. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that, that, should be, that should be one thing that's taken in, into consideration with all new A-League teams. What chance could you do around the name? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, we can, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, but yeah, we, there's no AFL team in Canberra. So, you know, well, it's, it's not just the A-League yeah. that isn't um, represented in, in our uh, national capital. Mm. Well, the, um, the AFL uh, plays a few games down there and they fund... Um, Camp, the Canberra government um, funds those games. They pay for those games to go down there. Mm. Um, the Brumbies are very successful too. But yeah. I think with Canberra, unless the team's doing well, then they don't support them. I remember in the NSL when I used to follow Sydney Olympic, I'd go down to Canberra and watch uh, Sydney Olympic with Canberra Cosmos. And there'd be mm. crowds of three to 4,000 at, at that Bruce Stadium. So mm. it wasn't always the best atmosphere. But they have had um, history... Um, in, the, in the NSL, they had, I think, a couple of goes. Um, at the beginning, they were there from 1976 to 1986. Um, and then they were, uh, I think, in the late nine, in the mid-90s, they had another crack as well. Mm. But, um, yeah, I th- it's it's a tough one. Um, George Anikian said a funny thing. He said, Canberra is everyone's favourite um, uh, favorite topic, expansion topic, because... Uh, it's almost like, um, uh, you know, it's we, we want that we. Uh, it's good to have them in there. It's like it's a good idea to have them there, but whether it's feasible, mm. like we we'd like to it's think of like them. North being Queensland there. Fury, everybody yeah. wanted North Queensland Fury to survive and succeed, but yeah. the odds were stacked against them. Not nearly as much as the Gold Coast one. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Canberra Raiders, um, NRL, their average attendance over the last five years is, is 10,000. I know we're talking NRL, I know it's, a, it's an established uh, um, franchise as well. 10,000, uh, that, that could sustain a, an A-League club? There's a crowd there, definitely. Um, but so far, history hasn't really been kind to, to football crowds in Canberra. Um, and, you know, the Raiders have spent a lot of time and effort to build that crowd up. Mm. Um, I still think they could sustain one. I think it would have to be a successful club, though. Um, you know, I think if it was cruising around Central Coast Mariners start at the bottom of the league, the, the interest would dissipate very, very quickly. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think a big marquee star and uh, a some success on the field would go a long way to helping them, but you can't guarantee that. Uh, and that, that's where the problem is. Um, but capital city, you got to say it should have one. Mm. But I think they tick the boxes with a quality stadium they've got a youth academy uh, being set up yep. they've got a W League team already and they've got a history of producing <laughs> Socceroos so I think that's and you know they could get a crowd of 10,000 there's there's population there but as, as I said before if they don't do well and they just do like you say like become the Mariners of the A League then mm. You'll have Mark Bosnich saying there should be promotion and relegation again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some of the other franchises um, or potential franchise options is the South Sydney option, um, which I've, I've kind of grouped that together with Wollongong as well, which you know I'm not sure if that's two separate um, franchises, the, the plan, but um, it's been 
pretty much discredited by a lot of the Sydney teams or New South Wales teams um, as a uh, not a, a great business model or a place for, for expansion. Tom, you're based from from the Sutherland. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting, but I think, like you said, I can't see a situation where a Southern Sydney team is successful where it doesn't infringe on the Sydney Sydney FC success in terms of fan base. I think about 40% of Sydney fans come from the Sutherland, South, South Sydney region. Mm-hmm. It's obviously got, I think, the biggest amateur football association in the Southern Hemisphere. So there's a, you know, there's a grassroots potential fan base there, but I can't see a situation where they can build their own fan base and it doesn't cannibalise the fans of Sydney FC. Mm. I think, you know, there's... The Cronulla Sharks, obviously, NRL team, get a, you know, reasonable crowd every week. They own their own stadium. They have the infrastructure. There's a lot of, yeah, interest in football, but not at the A-League level, I think, in Sutherland Shire. I think Wollongong, similar deal. They, again, don't really have their own, kind of like Canberra, they don't have their own teams. I think there's a demand there. They produce a lot of, or have produced a lot of Socceroos, Mm. good footballers. I think it would face similar problems to Canberra, but... It would kind of, I think, solve... I know the FFA, you know, want... They like their derbies. They like, you know, local rivalries. I think Wollongong, as opposed to the Southern Shire, would be a better option in that it's easy for both Sydney teams to travel to and from, but it's not going to cannibalise the fan base of either of those teams. Yeah, we spoke a little bit um, off-air before about um, the potential to capture new A-League fans. Um, so, in terms of Wollongong, South, uh, South Sydney, which do you think would be able to um, at least um, not impact Sydney FC's fan base as much? I mean, I think yeah, Wollongong in that in that regard. I think as a, I think as, as I mentioned off air, I know personally from playing football in the Shire that there's thousands of people that play that follow the Socceroos, follow the Matildas, but have no real interest in A League. And there's you know there's a lot of potential there. If you could mobilise, you know, especially the younger players, the families to come along, a lot of who already go to Sydney FC, but there's a lot more that if they could be enticed, there's a you know a fan base waiting there. Hmm. Um, yeah, cool. So Kev, some of the others, um, Geelong, Queensland, uh, either Northern Queensland or Ipswich, another team kind of to give Brisbane a, a rival. Um, any there that, well, either of those or any any others? Western Pride. Yeah, Western Pride's got a good stakes, a good claim, I think, for uh, uh, a bit of Brisbane rivalry, derby fun and games that could be had up there. Um, I can see a lot of potential there. Uh, I think the problem we had with Gold Coast United was it just felt so manufactured uh, the whole thing. And you know, I think if you can take a club, an existing club like Western Pride, and build something around that, then I think there'd be a lot more. Uh, following and a rivalry going on with that, and they would create a proper derby atmosphere come the day, uh, and have its own loyal following of fans, which you could build on. Um, as far as Geelong's concerned, I think that was an opportunity missed back when Melbourne City, uh, Melbourne Heart were formed. That's where we should have gone in at that stage. Mm. Uh, we had an identity, but having said that, I still, you know, I think we're going to come to this in a minute. But I think. If we're going to have another one in Victoria, South Melbourne FC is just screaming out for it, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I can't see beyond that at all. Which does bring us quite nicely to the promotion relegation debate. Oh, actually, just before before we move on, um, 
what are your what are your thoughts on expansion? Do you, do you think this is a, this is a must? Do you or in terms of a timeline, when do you think we should be integrating a eleventh and twelfth team? Well, I'd like to see it as soon as possible. I'm very uh, greedy. I don't know if the word greedy is the right word, but I I'm just kind of bored of it. The same ten teams. Ten teams is just not enough. Mm. Um, I want more games um, and also the excitement of a new franchise um, it always brings new new excitement there's new stories uh, especially if it comes from an area where we haven't had an A-League team yet um, so but the, the problem is FFA don't don't want it um, mm. every time you talk ask them questions about expansion expansion's not on the radar we don't um, we don't see that in the foreseeable future so well, I, I don't understand about that though is that we've got the uh, the new TV deal coming up in 2017 and you would think going to that with uh, we're going to expand it and we're going to have two more teams and there's going to be uh, at least you know four more derbies uh, per season and it's going to be great and you know more, bigger reach and new areas to move into surely that's a strong case for mm. an improved TV deal especially when they're targeting and look like they're going to get double existing view that's just phenomenal uh, a result if you're just going with exactly the same product you had four years ago five years ago yeah why, why would you do that <laughs> I just don't understand that and I don't understand why you'd be so resistant to expanding the successful aspect of your, your operation uh, and uh, creating more with it going further with it so the, the biggest argument for for not expansion or for the for not expanding in certain areas is just the economics of it. Yeah, Can they always we... say financial viability of the yeah. current teams. Yeah, they always say that. But I remember in 1988 when the when the NRL expanded, they brought in Brisbane, they brought in Newcastle, I think they brought in Gold Coast, and the excitement of those teams coming into the league. So imagine when a new broadcast deal comes in, and you've also got two new teams, say Western Pride or a team in Melbourne or a team in Sydney. Mm. and the excitement of those two teams coming in you've got a uh, selling point um, and you've also got uh, what the FFA is called their centralised marquee system where new marquee players are coming in say you have two marquee players one from each new team that would be a big selling point mm. and ex- make that year so exciting um, but just always the, the FFA just talk it down so I don't know I just don't see when when are those clubs going to become financially viable? When is Central Coast? I mean, Central Coast has now made a profit. Made a profit. Hey, um, there was a, a release in the Australian Financial Review that uh, Melbourne Victory is the third most fourth fourth most profitable team. Western Wanderers is in the top um, twelve, I think, yeah. as well. Sydney is very close to making. Um, I think they broke even last season. So, well, well um, most profitable sports team in in the country. Yeah, and across all the courts. It was interesting as well, actually, seeing the, the profit margins against the, the revenue and turnover, because Victor and Wanderers were very efficient in turning really quite small revenues into yeah. profits. I think Wanderers' revenue was $12 million, uh, and they still managed to turn in half a million profit. Uh, meanwhile, you've got AFL clubs that are what was it, $100 million, I think, yeah. at the top end of the table, uh, and turning that into just 2 or $3 million, uh, maybe $5 million profit. Mm. So, you know... There's a lot of hard work and a lot of money coming in for very, very small profits. Yeah. Although, having said that, somebody pointed out that AFL clubs were community-owned businesses, so mm. profit isn't necessarily the, the go-to yeah. as a yeah, success yeah. model. Mm. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, Melbourne victory, fourth biggest in the country, which good result for them. Cool. So, qu- final point question for you, Tom: Do you think it's going to happen? It's hard to say. I, th- I, I think agree. I like to see it happen sooner rather than later. But I understand where the FFA are coming from. I think that you know the viability of the league of the teams is more important overall than expanding the league. I think there's still it's a possibility and I think it should happen and I think it it would be able to happen but we don't want you know there's a history of clubs forming in the A league and you know dying off after a couple of years and I think you know going forward it would be better to guarantee the success of the 10 existing clubs before we look at expanding. Yeah, I think the, the problem though is that A-League and a lot of fans are coming at it from the perspective of new clubs, new franchises and old startups, which are then creating new fans possibly from existing other clubs' fan bases, rival clubs' fan bases. Mm. Whereas what we've actually got is an entire stockpile of clubs with existing fan bases loyal to their clubs that are not crossed over to A-League, love football, have no interest in A-League because their club's not there. And that's the obvious answer. And that brings us on to the next point of mm. promotion and relegation. I don't actually think we should have relegation yet, but we should definitely be having promotion. Uh, we need to bring these clubs up from the lower levels, the ones that can come up with a decent business plan and instill them into the, the, uh, the, uh, the A-League. And then once we're up to 12 or 14, we can then start losing clubs uh, back down to the lower levels afterwards. Mm. So, you know, like a shot, I would have um, probably South Melbourne and one of the, the Sydney teams uh, moving up, possibly Sydney United, who knows. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if you can put together a business plan and a squad and a way of surviving and have a, a stadium that's going to be broadcast friendly with decent floodlights and yep. facilities, bring them up, don't create new teams. We've got the teams there already, just bring them in. So, a quote from, from DG, from Gallup, um, recently on promotion relegation. At the moment, with the investment our owners make to the competition, it's not realistic to move, a pro- move to a promotion and relegation system. We want those investors to know that they've got some longevity with their licence. FFA Cup and the creation of the NPL, all of these things are part of closing the gap between the A-League and the semi-professional tier. We're well aware that the leading NPL clubs, indeed clubs like South Melbourne and Victoria, are keen are keen to keep promotion and relegation on the agenda. So again, he talks about the um, you know closing the gap, but the FFA still see the significant gap between the A League and the and the NPL, and you know and the FFA Cup is was a you know it, it confirmed that point and. Mm. Um, but until we start seeing some NPL teams really challenging in the FFA Cup, you know that's that, that's probably Gallup and the FFA putting it to, towards the back of the agenda. Um, so you, you mentioned their promotion. So take away relegation element of it. How how would that work? How would you see it working? Oh, I think in its promotion in the sense of if you've got the business plan, you've got the model, you've got the squad, you've got the facilities, put a business plan up to uh, uh, the FFA and they can then consider it and it, it's not promotion in the sense of you've taught the, your NPL league it's mm-hmm. promotion in the sense of you've actually promoted yourself you know, you've got yourself up to a viable business uh, that can compete in the league level and that's the reward it's more of a financial viability reward mm-hmm. than necessarily a sporting reward hopefully the two will be the same 
you know, hopefully that means that you know you're probably going to have the success at NPL level that's seen you near the top, at the top of your, your NPL uh, league. But more importantly, that you've got the financial bureaucratic administration uh, credibility that you can survive. So that's how I would promote for the moment. And then further down the line, we can go to a conventional, more pyramid-type-based system. Mm. Um, but I think it's just daft to create new franchises. Now, at this stage, we're far enough down the line where we can shed the the, the baggage that the NPL, sorry, the NSL had uh, from you know 40 years ago. Uh, we've moved away from that, you know, and I think we can embrace. Our history, our heritage, mm. uh, and the, you know these teams that have been around for so long and contributed so much—they have a part to play in their league, and they've got a huge band of potential fans that just want to see them compete at the highest level again. That are staying away because they aren't at the moment, uh, but you know, bring them back, put them in the highest level. It's an instant fan base. It's the whole of football. You know, don't go looking to try and convert other sports fans until you've embraced all your existing fans mm. that's just madness yeah, Con, Con and I went to the New South Wales PS4 MPL launch uh, last week and uh, and there was very clear messaging all throughout of uh, taking away um, the old soccer tag and bringing it into new football and the A-League has been brilliant for, for doing that and changing perceptions to a certain extent but there still is this in the NPL so you know, potentially that could be a that could be a way of, of bringing embracing that that history and, and maybe moving on a little bit uh, so Tom in terms of like the the economics of uh, of, of the NPL clubs that are, that are coming on do you think there is that kind of financial sustainability for for some of these NPL clubs to, to make and compete with an A-League club I mean I think it's a tricky one I think like I've said the best bet there is clubs that have existed for years that have a built in fan base they have an infrastructure already we should be, I suppose, rewarding them with the chance to prove themselves as a successful A-League club. Um, I think that's, you know, that's the problem with promotion relegation is the other side of the coin is it punishes clubs that aren't successful, whereas we should just be rewarding clubs that prove they can, you know, they mm-hmm. can compete at the highest level. I think you know, the problem would be there is if we had a proper promotion relegation system, a team gets promoted, struggles to come to terms with the A-League, gets relegated straight away again they're probably going to free fall. You know, they'd be in a worse opposition than they were before they got promoted. So I think, yeah, mm-hmm. the idea of if you can prove your viability, you get a chance at playing in the A-League, I think that could work. And obviously, you mentioned it before, the, the marquee player fund that potentially has been set up, if, you know, that was the reward for getting promoted is that you got access to that, mm-hmm. I think that could really help. There's two interesting things about choosing a team in the a in, uh, in the A-League to be in terms of expansion um, if we just have promotion so the MLS chooses teams in their second tier so they um, they already use existing teams so that's one way you were saying which is existing teams don't start from scratch but what what I found interesting is when I was inter- um, interviewing Miles Sajowski and I asked him um, if the teams would be set up in Wollongong how would you do it would you start from scratch or would you use existing teams and he he actually said um, it has to be a team that starts from scratch. There's a lot of passion in Wollongong, but they're passionate about their teams. So um, already you've got a sense that there, there would be infighting about who would be the team that you would choose. So um, another thing is uh, when I was talking to George Anakin about South Melbourne, 
when he came back from the Athens Olympics in 2004, he, um, this is when the A-League was starting, he went to South Melbourne and said, why don't we join with all the other Greek clubs to create one super club? And South Melbourne said, apokliete, which is a Greek word for, that ain't never happening, right? <laughs> it's never going to happen. So um, there's, there's a lot of ways you could do it. Um, there's a, I like the idea of joining all the Greek clubs around Melbourne because there's a few of them, but it would never happen. They would never agree mm. to do that. Um, so... I don't know, and there's also the, the. That's why Western Sydney was a good idea. You, you didn't use existing um, clubs. You came up with a with a whole new identity, but you also used um, the Wanderers, which was the like a an older club. Um, uh, so I think coming up with something like that would be mm. a good idea. Like Western Pride, um, they want to. Uh, they've got a lot of history. The actual uh, the first Socceroo comes from Ipswich, nineteen twenty two. So they would they would use that as a way of saying you know we've got history here, mm. um, even though they're starting with an existing club. So have they done much in between the two? Yeah, no. <laughs> the last ninety years. Uh, well, uh, you know, Craig Foster is one, but uh, yeah. um, so no, no then. <laughs> um, <laughs> you that, didn't say, I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, no, come that's that's a really good point though, and um, to kind of go against uh, Kev's argument, I suppose, um, to. By bringing in a South Melbourne, are you? Is that just that supporter group, and then the the fans that are outside of that? Are they going to engage in in South Melbourne, or do you just have that? What is it about like six thousand they get at the best to, to some of their games? I don't know. I think it's an interesting uh, proposition. If South Melbourne were playing in a competition that didn't involve another uh, Melbourne Greek team, would the fans of the other Greek teams see that and think of South Melbourne as kind of like a Greek national team that they would just go and support uh, because they were in a different competition? Or would they still see them as rivals even though they weren't actually playing against each other? Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Um, I think it would... At at worst, it would isolate you to South Melbourne fans. But I think the substantial numbers, they've managed to survive this long on very, very meagre income, hmm. uh, put them in a, an A-League environment, and given that they own their own stadium and none of the A-League other, the other A-League teams does, that immediately puts them on the upper, uh, gives them the upper hand. So the revenue from that alone is probably more than uh, most A-League clubs get from ticket prices. Hmm. So to put that into um, kind of an, an English um, scenario. Blackburn fan, uh, as I said, I am. Burnley gets promoted to the Premier League um, next year. There's no, I'm not going down to to watch Burnley play just because that I can I can watch Premier League football. And um, even if they signed, I don't know, a Blackburn legend or a, a, a top English player, I, st- I still couldn't I still couldn't engage in it. I probably would I probably wouldn't go to watch watch a game just because um, just because it's Burnley. Uh, so, would, would, would do you th- Tom? Do you think that would be they'd have the similar issues? Here? I mean, yeah, I think the potential problem there is that these ethnic rivalries or these you know these clubs have existed and their rivalries have existed longer than the A League has itself. So, I think that you know, like you said, if there's history there, you're not suddenly going to drop the animosity or the rivalry to support a club just because they've come from a similar position to you and have been promoted to the A League. I don't think they're going to unite behind one banner. They're still going to dislike the team if they disliked them before. Mm. I think obviously there's you know going to be a lot more interest there, and they could 
bringing fans that were more on the sidelines at the moment, but you know, once they get a bit of publicity and you know the chance at the A League, they'll be brought in. But I can't see there be too much crossover between yeah different sets of fans jumping on board. But given that, when you get to an FFA uh, Cup scenario, there's going to be much more interest, you would think, between South Melbourne in the A League, well, say Sydney United in the uh, in the A League, and uh, Sydney Olympic not in the A League. You would think there would be far more interest mm. for those fans. Then they're going to turn out in greater numbers, and also. Sydney Olympic fans would see the possibility. Well, Sydney United can get into the A League, so can we. So mm. let, let's get our act together. Mm. And let's you know put the uh, business model together and get uh, the finances in place where you know we can then stake the claim to get into the A League. Um, and I think it can only grow. I, I just I think we have to cater. We really have to target those people who are already football fans. The thing with South Melbourne too is they they're already based. The name's there. They're based in South Melbourne, so that would be a different geographical... um, There'll be some tribalism there. So even if you don't get the Greek fans, the South Melbourne fans, you could get people from living in the the south of Melbourne to go along to Mm. the games because it's a different area compared to where Melbourne Heart and... I think that's a very important part. It it isn't isn't all about ethnic clubs. It's about targeted areas and uh, bringing the community along not necessarily of one ethnicity. Hmm. Uh, I think that's a very important thing. Okay then, so you were David Gallup for a day, and, uh, and you might be. Um, Damien DeBowen's gone, so um, well, have, you, have you put your application in? Yeah, you? well, um, I have put my application in, but uh, I would destroy the alien within five years with my ideas, I think. <laughs> All right, there'd, then. Be teams, there'd be 20 teams, there'd be... Pr- Promotion and relegation. Marquees for three mark three marquees in every club. <laughs> three plus one. You could have one Asian and marquee yeah, as well. I would just everyone's. I'm building stadiums. Yeah. All funded off Stephen All Boy's fun, Yeah, that's card. right. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen my Irish card? No, no, Stephen. Sorry, I don't know where it's gone. No. Okay then. <laughs> what, what was your mother's maiden name again? <laughs> Expansion or promotion in the next, let's say, five years. One or the other. I'll come back to you. Can Kev. we have both? Yeah, Can you have both? I want both. Yeah. You're not sitting on the fence. Oh, fence. Oh. fence. <laughs> let, 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 uh, fence. Um, let's have uh, expansion first of all, and then promotion. Yeah. Uh, promotion, as I said, my model: promote clubs up uh, to expand, and then bring in relegation five to ten years down the line. Um, so, so when you say expansion, you're still talking promotion of um, NPL clubs. Yeah. So no new franchises. I can't really see much need for them, to be honest. I'd rather capitalise on the interest as a way. New franchise or promotion? I think I'd be disappointed if there was no new clubs in the A League in the next five years. I think either option has their benefits and downsides. I think, but pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm Woodby Orange. I mean, yeah, I'd probably go... I'd err towards giving teams like South Melbourne a chance, but I also think I'd give a team like Wollongong a chance at the same time. So if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick an NBL team to give them a shot and trial that and see how it goes. What I'd love to see is you pick one expansion team, so you make an effort to create um, either a new club or an existing club, um, and then fund them... Make sure they've got everything, all the stadiums, all the, they tick all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And then the other way, have another side come through the NPL Championship. So 
Um, at the moment, uh, each state uh, member federation plays in the NPL championships, the winner of each um, league in each state, and that would create such uh, vibrancy and excitement. So a team coming through um, who wins that playoff then becomes one of those teams. So you have you have it coming through the pyramid rather than just you know picking something and then saying okay we'll do this. So I'd like to see that. I don't know if it's feasible because you could have a team you know from an NPL side in you know you could have the the Nambaka Strikers or something like that <laughs> coming through. I mean they're in the, there are a few divisions below, but you know that's what that's the problem where we're not set up yet. Um, if we do have uh, promotion through through a playoff system through the NPL, that not all the clubs are, are set up properly. So that's why at the yeah. moment we have to pick and choose which ones. But I, that's one way I'd like to see it. So obviously, obviously, there's the the, the financial um, and kind of economic sustainability of having that team who gets promoted just out of um, the winning the NPL championship. Yeah. So are you saying you would have one spot per season that whoever won the the NPL gets promoted to the A-League for a season and then yeah. goes down and then it's replaced by the... Well, I jokingly said that on my other podcast that we just, the FFA Cup winner just goes into the A-League for a season. It's if, always going to be an A-League just, team though. But if it's... If it's um, uh, but if, if they do, if an NPL side does win the FFA Cup or let's just say... The NPL Championship. Mm-hmm. We have them in the A League. If they do well, like if they get good crowds and they don't come last, you get to stay, stay for a season. Um, but so it's like an A League Invitational. Yes, but I, I think that's that's a crazy idea. I, I, this is like it's like the voice, isn't it, for the yeah, NPL yeah, teams? Just, just try, just try them out. Try yeah. it out for a season. If you, um, and then if they do better than the Mariners, then the Mariners go down. Sorry. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, no, good. Right, should we talk about A-League? I think that was was a good chat. So, Friday night, Melbourne City. Um, They beat Adelaide 1-0, and it was the end of Adelaide's unbeatable run. Um, But a resolute uh, Melbourne City um, ground out a win. Fitzgerald, with a lovely finish. Yeah, it was. the only goal. Came from nowhere. He's not necessarily known for his finishing, really. That's been one of his big criticisms of his game. And uh, a sublime little finish into the top corner. He fits it into the top corner. He couldn't hit a. He couldn't hit a clown with a pie in the face when he was playing for the Central Coast Mariners. And all of a sudden, he's top corner. Um, yeah, that's that. That win shows. I think Melbourne City are contenders. I think being able to get a clean sheet away. Yeah. Against Adelaide uh, on form, who's the yeah, who's the uniform team? Uh, that's that's they put a marker down for the A League season, I reckon. So that that puts them, you know, three points behind Brisbane and Western Sydney in top, um, and you know they're they're actually finding a bit of form, a bit of consistency. That's two clean sheets, as you said. Um, Navio's back and taking on the whole Adelaide team. Did you see that run at one point where he tried to get hacked down by Mel's and then Goodwin and then Mork finally got him and took him down. But um, you know that's the sort of thing that we kind of miss with him not been playing um, of recent weeks. But that that could be enough to, to spur him on. You think, Tom? Yeah, I think definitely. Ever since he, but he's been back a week or two now, and he instantly makes a difference. I think he's a class above, and you know they have enough. 
dangerous players, but he's just another weapon in the arsenal. Mm. And, you know, I think, yeah. We kind of said last week, we wouldn't be surprised if I think Adelaide maintained their unbeaten run until the end of the regular season. Obviously, that's come to an end now. And there's the chance for any of these teams, I think, in the top four who have kind of broken away a bit now to go on a run. And whoever's taking the best form into, you know, into the final series has a very good chance of winning it. And I think when Melbourne turn it on, they're, you know, arguably the best team in the league on their day. Mm. If they can maintain that consistency, this is a big win for them. I thought they did a good job of, you know, containing what's been a you know very potent Adelaide side in recent weeks. Yeah. If they can do that against, you know, your Brisbane's, your Western Sydney's, then, yeah, they've got mm. a very good chance. It's very rare that we talk about keepers, um, especially in, in the A-League of, of recent weeks where there's been goals galore. Um, but the reason why it was, it was only 1-0, both keepers were brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they raised the game. Um, I think that's the thing with City, though, is they're very much a, a team effort. For all we focus on Moy and uh, Fornaroli and their fantastic stats, it is a team effort. And, you know, when Navia's not there, they miss him. When mm. Moy's not there, they miss him. When Fornaroli's not there, they miss him. And it's front to back. Uh, you know, uh, Sorensen's vital at the back. Uh, showed why in this particular game. But I think, you know, he has been a very astute signing. And I think everybody knew that when he was brought in. The, the concerns about his age were the fact that historically, you know, Australia is supposed to produce good keepers. Yeah. And here we are looking for a retired, um, uh, a foreigner to come in and help mm. out a team. Um, seemed an unfortunate way of going about things. But as we mentioned then, two clean sheets in the last two games for City. Um, Osama Malik, um, I thought, had a, had a great game. Um, you know, he's, he's not really felt... Like, for me, it didn't look like he fit into that City defence, yeah. that City team. Um, but now I think he's kind, kind of now found his feet a little bit. And, uh, and he was brilliant in that kind of defensive midfield role, cleaning up, um, ticking the ball over quite nicely. He's quite aggressive, um, which you know the rest of that City midfield isn't. So you kind of like, even even partially to a certain to a certain extent isn't he doesn't impose himself as much as he should for a, a big bloke. Uh, and Malik was certainly doing that this this week, and it showed. Well, Malik has a bl- tends to have a block of really good games. He g- gets on a consistent run, and there'll be one or two games that he just mm. doesn't look like he's there. But I think you know playing against his former club, that's Point probably the perfect time to prove something. So. Do, you, do you think he's better in that defensive midfield role rather than centre back? Uh, I haven't really seen him that much in the defensive midfield role. He's probably more mobile than Hardaway. Uh, mm. So. Um, yeah, I haven't really seen that that much. But if he keeps playing like that, then yeah, you keep him there. It's just probably just apologise. We are in a different room for a change, <laughs> and it's raining cats and dogs. And uh, I suspect we're probably getting drowned out by the raindrops. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's, it's atmosphere. It's like the third, the second scene in the film. It's, it's probably going to be really relaxing for people trying to sleep at night. You know, hear yeah. the sound of the rain. I'm we could probably sell roof. this as some sort of um, uh, meditati- meditation uh, 442 podcast. podcast puts you to sleep well yeah. again the, <laughs> when, it, when it starts raining in a movie it, it's a metaphor for change so maybe there's some change mm. coming ahead Ernest right. Hemingway yes. used rain a lot in Farewell to Arms every time something bad was about to happen it started raining yeah so. there we go that's worse. <laughs> Adelaide United. It was very highbrow there, wasn't it? Um, Adelaide, Adelaide City play each other last game of the season. Do you think that's going to be a, a crucial game? A, a title decider? 
there's quite a few crucial games. I mean, it's so tight that you know it's kind of hard to define who is going to be the two at the top with battling it out come the final day. I can see that being a four-way battle at least. Well, the top four, the top four play each other next week as well. Yep. With um, First City hosting Raw and Wanderers hosting Adelaide. So um, exciting! Um, one team that is probably not going to get anywhere near that top four is Sydney FC. Khan, coming to you first. We had a, a quick chat about this before, and um, Wellington first half hour just. Oh, it's the worst half hour I've ever seen Sydney FC play in 11 seasons. Right, wow. That's a huge call. Well, I've, I've, I mean, I have seen very, very but bad that was performances just, to choose from. For a game that you have to win, yeah. um, the uh, there's no excuse to be playing that badly. And Wellington just tore them apart. Mm. And Graham Arnold, I don't know why he played the team that he played. Holosko was on the bench... Fatty was on the bench. Uh, they're not playing in the Asian Champions League, so they would have been rested. Mm. They didn't play. Uh, Fatty didn't play last week because he was suspended. Um, I just I, I don't understand that result uh, at all. Considering they came back from Melbourne City, um, sorry, from Melbourne victory, they came back uh, to make it one all, and then mm. just uh, since then it's just been a cap- capitulation. They had a great result against Gonzu Evergrande. And then since then, it's just... Um, it's like they put all their effort into that game. And then these two games, they just like a, pop like a balloon. Um, I, I, it's I, really disappointing that they played so bad. They tried to get it back in the second half. I would have thought with Holosko scoring early, there mm. might have been a revival. But it just never never came. They don't, just, they don't have the ability at the moment. They don't have the belief... And neither does the fan. Neither do the fans. I think the interesting thing for me was throughout that entire game, the camera kept flashing to Arnie on the sidelines, and he just had his head in his hands the whole time. He never once looked like he had a solution. It was just it was t- disbelief from him of what he was seeing. And most managers under those circumstances would be shouting out orders: mm. "Do this. You're not doing that right. Do this instead. You get up there." He was just shaking his head and burying his head in his hands. He didn't understand what to do, and I think that that's quite a desperate situation for a manager to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you go from there? We we spoke about Sydney's defence last week in, in at length, so I, I won't really touch on it much more, but again, it was just dreadful. The, the back four was being pulled all over the place, and... Uh, for the second goal, I, I, I kind of paused the TV to see where the defence was, and there was there was probably a, a difference of ten yards between uh, between all four of them. You know, like, it, from like, the goal to the to the halfway line, it was it was nowhere near in line. And you just there's a reason why you can see three goals in in thirty minutes. I think at the other end as well, there was a, an attacking move where Carney did a great run into the box. He had about three different players, Sydney players, to play for, uh, a play to, and City were, you know, coming out to defend, and everybody literally stopped. They just stopped, and City just picked up the ball and walked off with it. And Carney was shaking his head. Everybody was shaking his head. What were you? What happened there? Mm. You just stopped. You had an opportunity to shoot. There was no attempt at a pass. There was no tackle even. It was just—it was like they were going out the way to not score or not win. 
Um, yeah. It was a terrible, terrible performance. I think what's most alarming there is that they have everything to play for in that game. It's a chance to, if they had won, they would have gone that to equal six. Yeah. Um, and they were playing a team that has nothing to play for. You know, it might as well have been a role reversal. Wellington had the desire. They, you know, they played quite well. I think, you know, Sydney sabotaged themselves as much as Wellington outplayed them. But yeah, there's no excuse for performing like that when you're a couple of points off the top six mm. against a team that you know at home against a team that their season's effectively you know they're only playing for pride and they came out and you know, com- completely outclassed them. Yeah, we, we should give some credit to Ernie and and we've spoke throughout the season about Phoenix and their lack of goal scoring threat and and they've turned it around well especially in in Sydney they love them coming to this city oh, scored eight it. goals in two games yeah they love it uh, like, I don't have a go at the Paul um, at, at Aaron Calver but he's a he's a um, it's not his fault um, he was replaced at half time and also Dimitrovic was replaced at half time by, mm. by Tavares and I think once he made those changes he was playing a 4-4-2 diamond that's that's that works that system but I don't understand why uh, there's a lot, I think there seems to be a lot of confusion because Arnie keeps on playing different formations in the last few games like 5-3-2, 5-4-1, 4-5-1. But for me, 4-4-2 diamond is where it works. And playing Aaron Calver on the right, that's where a lot of the... Down the left where McGlinchey, where he was just mm-hmm. um, sauntering down the, down the left. And uh, um, playing... with Sydney FC... Problems start with the back. I think you've got uh, no left back, no right back. So uh, Ryle's been playing a right back. He's not a he's not a right back. He's a central defender. Gersback is gone. You've got Ryan Grant um, playing on the left. And what about the gift that he gave to Blake Powell, his friend? There, there was talk before the game that you know he's not going to let his uh, friendship get in the way, but he did get in the way because he just said, "Here you go, mate. Welcome back." Um, Blake Powell would have been sending him a nice gift card. Um, so We're not implying any bribery. <laughs> <laughs> We're not implying that. But yeah, I mean, I was uh, sitting um, in a different seat as well, so I blame my movement too. So everyone's to blame for this yeah. defeat. I'm glad you, you've taken responsibility. Yeah, well, someone has to. <laughs> and I think we, we were saying... I, I think Sydney's biggest problem is their lack of movement. Actually, I think um, that was one of the things as well. There was a, uh, another move about three quarters of the way, game, the way through the game. O'Neill, I think it was, had the ball. Uh, was running, making a run, had the ball taken off him. And he could have won it back immediately if he'd pressed. Instead, he just jogged back into position and just left it for somebody else to pick up. Mm. And it's like that, you are 3-0 down at that stage. Why would you just jog back? You're a young guy. You should be trying to impress. Get that ball back with ferocity. Uh, but no, no, I'm just going to saunter back and just take it easy. As Phoenix bear down on his goal. To, to me, that comes down to Arnie as well. I, I, it's, yep. He is so... I feel... Like I'm, I'm not in dressing rooms, obviously, but I look at the, the way he sets up his teams... And it, it, for me, it's more about position than than anything else. Mm. He gets he gets the, the the players in their set positions, and then what happens outside of that, it, it in theory should work. But you know, he needs to work on his defence a lot better. Um, Ninkovic, do we know much about his injury? Out for the, season? the season? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, I don't think it's been official yet, but yeah, that's it. Can't get any worse. I mean, it probably can get worse. Um, the Mariners might. 
Could they catch Sydney? Yeah. Um, but I think you have to... There is one point that you can make that the amount of players that Sydney FC lost from that grand final squad, no other team in the A-League has lost that many players except, I guess, for Western Sydney Wanderers, but that was a clean-out, um, mm. and they, they didn't do so well. So, But in terms of a team that... Um, moving on from the, this previous season to wanting to go forward, the amount of players they've lost, they haven't rep- been able to replace them. And I think that's been a big thing for Sydney FC. Uh, no other team has had that change of a squad that's done so well. The only thing that I could think of is when the Mariners lost um, Ryan, Sainsbury, and uh, what's the other uh, kid's name? Abini, mm. after they won the grand final. I think that's... Um, yeah, but when you look at Sydney squad, it's almost been gutted yeah. from the previous grand final squad. It's not an excuse, but it's... It is something that you can claim is you know is one of the reasons why they haven't done so well this season. I think it does go back to I was having this conversation uh, during the week with somebody else about what Sydney's claim to be one of the biggest clubs in the country is anymore, and uh, you know I've said it before they've not been the biggest club for a long time now. But where are they even in contention? Uh, I mean, I was getting argued being, the guy I was arguing with was claiming that. Obviously, Victory, biggest club in the country, without any doubt. Wanderers have probably overtaken them in most ways as well. But Brisbane Roar are potentially in a stronger position now than Sydney are. Uh, They're in freefall in every KPI on and off the pitch at the moment. I mean, business-wise, they're still going out and getting the big-name corporate sponsors and doing Mm. well in that sense. But, you know, uh, when they're, they're struggling to turn a profit, when they're struggling to recruit proper stars that they need and they're struggling to even stay in the top six they should be very glad there is no promotion relegation at the moment because mm-hmm. that's the ingredients of a club that is going to be in the next league next year mm. right moving on to the game of the round another team that's that's struggling but Brisbane absolutely destroyed Melbourne victory at least it, this has got to be a, a nice story for you Con. Oh, Silver oh. lining. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I did enjoy that, but it doesn't make it any any better. Um, it all it makes it even worse because Sydney FC could have climbed above exactly. Melbourne victory. Yep. So that's what that's what makes it worse. That uh, we were playing a team uh, in in uh, out of contention, not in form at all, and we gave that performance. And and our, one of our biggest rivals was even worse than us and we missed out on that opportunity so mm. so uh, Tom J- Jamie McLaren you know he missed out on a Socceroos call up this this week but he's now equaled the the highest Australian goal scorer in uh, Hyundai A-League history uh, Dan- behind Daniel McBreen um, on 70 which you know four games left of the season uh, season proper he should he should beat that really and you know he, he was just unplayable this weekend yeah he was brilliant I thought he He's playing with such confidence, I think, at the moment. Obviously, the Socceroos, lack of Socceroos call-up didn't make that too, too much of a difference to his performance. I think he... There were, you know, two, especially two of his goals were just such poachers' goals. He just had that instinct to be there. He was the first to pounce on the loose ball and just put it away. And then, mm. obviously, the, I think there was, the second was the, the lob over the keeper. He's a striker playing with confidence, and he, you know, he doesn't look like he's going to stop scoring at the moment. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I thought Brisbane overall were brilliant especially going forward. Melbourne didn't have any answers and McLaren especially 
it was just amazing. You mentioned McLaren's movement in the box there, and for me, just watching the way he plays as a as a number nine, he he's got such sophisticated movement in the box, and it's not it's not a, uh, it's not luck that he finds himself with the ball at his feet so often in, in that box, and uh, you know, and he's, he's he's quick. He's the first one for the for his hat trick goal. Victory defence were like statues, and and he he had no right to get to that ball first. Um, after that kind of after it cannoned off a few players, but he did, and he he had the the composure to put it in the top corner. After that, you know he's he's brilliant. I I, I absolutely love watching him play, and to to say he's missed out on a Socceroos call up this this year uh, for the, these next two games, you know, for me it's not that big of a deal. I, it will come, um, but I, I'd love to have seen him being part of this setup because for me he's a natural replacement for Tim as as number nine. I, I'm not on the McLaren bandwagon at the moment. I think this is his first season that he's actually starting to play regularly as a starter. Uh, I know he scored a lot, a lot of goals, but a lot of those goals have been poaching efforts. Like a poach. Gary um, Lineker made an entire yeah, career out of that. But the, the, the reason, what's more, where my hesitation is, is if he did the same thing while he was playing for the Oli Roos, then, okay, you've shown at an international level you're yeah. capable. But the way that he played while he was with the Oli Roos, it's not his fault. I mean, the, the Oli Roos didn't play well as a collective. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he missed. Um, he didn't show any of the same form for the Oli Roos, and that was um, seeing uh, uh, with Asian opponents. They're going to play deep and on the counter attack. Win the A League, everyone's attacking, right? Mm. So I think Ange must have seen that and said, "Okay, he's not ready yet." But once, uh, if, he, if he plays another season where he's scoring goals, definitely I'm in. But I think yeah, his performance for the Oli Roos kind of is the reason I think why he's not in the Soccer Roos just yet. 16 goals, 19 games. <coughs> Pretty good return. Uh, do you, uh, so whilst we're talking on Soccer Roos call up, um, Giano. Giano. Apostolos. Yeah. Cracking name, that. Big fan of the name. Um, do you think this is a? Do you think he deserves that call up ahead of ahead of Maka? Is is it just a way of getting him capped? I think it is just a, a method of tying him down to the, the Aussies. Mm. Um, fair play, you know, uh, but I still think we probably could have squeezed McLaren into the squad as well. Give uh, Giano uh, game time off the bench. Yeah, you, I didn't even try saying Apostolosis or something. <laughs> um, well, it's, it, you can call, call him Paul. Apo. Apo. Paul's another way. It is is it Greek for Paul? Or yeah, yeah, Greek for Paul. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Paul. But I think he deserves it. He's been, uh, I think he scored twelve goals in the Greek Super League before he made his move to mm. China, and he's been around for a few years playing in Greece in the top league. So and, and Ange knows him pretty well, uh, you know, from the Joeys, and yeah. apparently he played more of a, a midfielder, kind of like a number eight or number ten at times, yeah. um, and he's been. Kind of, Modified to be a, a number nine and a yeah. slightly more of a target man, so you know I, I, I think that is a, a weak area of the soccer is, and it has yeah. been for a while. You know when when Tim isn't there, and and even when he hasn't started, he's the man that kind of comes off the bench, and you kind of expect him to provide something, and he generally does. Yeah. So we definitely need some uh, more firepower, fi- firepower up front. All right, Patratus. Um, I, I think he deserves some credit. 
uh, look, we touched on him a little bit last last week. I think he's been he's been brilliant. Like McLaren yeah. scores the goals and and gets the headlines, but but he, he was excellent again. Like that the ball for um, McLaren's second goal was that was world class. You know, it's you know Gerard does that. It's you know it, it gets shown on TV all over the world, and um, it was the way he and uh, Vukovic came out and didn't shower himself in glory, but the ball was just so good. Like Mahazi didn't have a chance. Yeah. Vukovic had to make a decision to come or come or go, uh, come or stay, and McLaren just finished it. It was excellent. So even well done, even uh, McLaren's third goal, where Petratus is running down the sideline, and he was had a victory defender right mm. on him, and he showed his strength as well to um, batter him away and then yep. get the cross in. Um, I thought that he's he's one of the form players of the A League so far. I'm really happy for him as well. Mm. Good Sydney FC player. Yes, well, you know, we don't miss him at all. No, no. <laughs> what would you have used him for? Surplus <laughs> <laughs> requirements. He'd have been sat on the bench with Andrew Hill, wouldn't he? Him, I think him and Kalich together. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, Exchanging punches. That's a reverberation from the Farina era. Anyway. Um, we talked about victory... Um, sorry, Sydney defence before. The victory defence was worse. Tom? Yeah, I think mean, you could make a fair argument they were, and I think it's... If you were told, you know, if you'd said at the start of the season after the grand final last year that Melbourne victory in Sydney FC would be battling it out for sixth place, I don't think anyone would have believed you. Yeah. And neither team looked like they particularly cared, to be honest, or particularly wanted. They're so. I suppose, yeah, they just. There's no leadership in either team at the moment, I think. They're just floating along, and, yeah, I think they got rightly punished by a, you know, very potent Brisbane side. Victory in free fall, basically. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talked about the possibility of them dropping out the, the top six previously. It's almost, almost an inevitability. I mean, if Jets just raised the game a little bit, uh, it would be a very, very real possibility. Well, Miller was talking up uh, the Jets' chances of making that top six, and it's still an, an aspiration of theirs. So, uh, you know, you, you, you would need victory. Victory have got to get, I think, four points, is it, to, um, to stay ahead of... Ahead of Jets off, off four games, which is it is achievable, and they play each other next game. Yeah, but but that's but that's it. If they if Jets cause an upset at victory yeah. next weekend, then you know it's not it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Victory need two wins from the four to uh, def- uh, no yeah three one win yeah uh, to stay ahead basically. Uh, but it's so tight. Mm. I mean, it just the the team with that much talent and ability. And the the style and performances they put in at the beginning of the season to be in this position is an utter disgrace. Right. And, you know, I think you've got to question what's happened with Musket uh, that he's allowed the, the team to slide so badly, uh, it, which is a shame because I thought he was doing a really good job. But you know, he, somebody has to take the blame for this. Mm. Yeah, he he looked he looked pretty calm in the presser. To be fair, he. He didn't really. I, I don't know what you can say to uh, after you've just come off the back of a five-nil thump in a way. But you know, he he put his hand up and said, you know, it, it, it was a poor performance. Didn't really try and make any excuses, which, um, you know, he kind of has just written it off as a, a, a as a one of their worst performances, especially under him. Um, but of recent years for victory. Um, but uh, the other team that's going to challenge them is Sydney FC, and who play Central Coast next week. So you think. That, that should be three points for, for Sydney but the way they're playing um, on the other hand Central Coast Mariners were on the end of, a, of another thumping 4-0 at Perth in form Perth 
but like nine men get two red cards Mariners are struggling with 11 men never mind nine <laughs> men you know come on lads at least try and make it a little bit easier for yourselves to be honest I think Perth should be disappointed that it was on the four, four. especially with two penalties yeah with two red Penal- cards penalties yeah. have Perth Glory had this season <laughs> Quite a few. He's gonna. Uh, Andy Kerr is gonna lead the goal scoring charts by the end of the season. The, the way they're leading. It's a good comparison. The number of penalties that Perth Glory have had this season versus the number of penalties Melbourne Victory got in the second season when they got their. Championship. Oh yeah, when um, Musky Musky was just goal boot winner just about on the back <laughs> of penalties. You need you need to be careful with your comparisons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal fans quite sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Reference to a uh, an Aaron Moy um, Meza Özil um, comparison of um, stats of, of stats. Um, for the record, it wasn't to say Aaron Moy is better than Meza Özil. Um, it was literally just to show what the top two playmakers in the top in, in those two leagues are like. Um, <laughs> right, end off. Um, okay, so Glory um, Castro eleven for the season. Again, he was he was great. Brilliant addition to the league this um, this season, um, but Josh Risden, Socceroo call up again. Uh, he's, he's a player that doesn't normally get many plaudits. Uh, you know, he's, he's consistent, but this week he was he was excellent. Tom, yeah, I mean, especially the delivery on two of the goals there. Those crosses are they're effectively perfect. You can't defend against them really. It's just putting on a plate, and you know those kind of those moments win games. And in this Perth team that you know is. I think you know scoring quite a few goals, looking very good when they go on board. That's another you know, just another option they have. And I thought, yeah, I thought he was great at both ends of the field. And you know, it's such a yeah, it's such a valuable asset to have when you have that kind of delivery from out wide. Mm. He signed a new contract at Perth. Is that a good good move for him? Do you think he could have gone overseas? Yeah, he's twenty three. Is he? Twenty two. Depends what the, the contract is, but it's probably good for both of them. To be honest, you know, perhaps they're going to have. Uh, a viable asset and if a club comes in for Risden they're going to have to pay for him now if they pay for him they're going to value him more when they get to get into the club and he's got more chance of uh, actually getting game time I think, I think yeah. if he goes a free agent you'd get a lot less respect to be honest you're, you're valued for what you, you they pay for you I think that's a really good point actually um, I'm just reading your notes of this and you could not be more northern could you what? Josh Reeson a lovely, a lovely old day <laughs> <laughs> um, you will notice from my notes I kept I kept Joshua's lines in there he made some nice lines on our um, on our running order last week and I thought do you know what I like that I'm going to keep them in <laughs> um, but um, Wormsley and I'm not sure if I mentioned this before um, but uh, in the press conference he was um uh, I was going to say quite entertaining then, but um, I nearly cringed over my own words. Um, so, Wormsley, um, t- talking about the, um, the performance, obviously, um, we, we have an owner who wants to entertain, but I had to take off O'Donovan and Ferrer to consolidate, to have two banks of four, obviously down to nine men. Um, and he was, he was talking about the sending off. Mitch Austin, quickest man in the league, he's an entertainment machine. <laughs> I don't, my toes are still crunched up I cringe so much when I heard him say that uh, I like Mitch Johnson though I mean I, 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 I agree he is uh, he's an exciting young player uh, and I think we still see the best of him and I'm not sure we will see the best of him at the Mariners uh, but put him in another team and you know he has great potential a wide man um, with pace could that be Sydney FC's 
reincar- reincarnation of a beanie, uh, or from the Mariners as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's quite. I think he's a different player from a beanie, to be honest. Uh, possibly a better player, in my opinion. Yep. I think a beanie's strength was speed, and after that, we were struggling to find strengths. Uh, his he had a fantastic shot on him mm. when it was on target, but too often it wasn't. Um, whereas Mitch Austin, I think, has more to his game than I've been in myself. Moving on to the final game of the round, Jets um, got beaten at home to Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, it was only one nil. It could have been probably quite a few more than that. Um, but uh, Wanderers, for me, they're, they're still not convincing. Uh, they're the second in the league, but um, what was the stat? They've, they've only won two in six and they've conceded 11 goals. Somehow they, they still sit second in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's quite damning, isn't it? Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, they only have won two in six. That is, um, yeah, and they still managed to be on top. Wow. But I still think they they still had a few more chances against Newcastle. Jess Spirit Giddy had a really good game. Uh, yep, excellent um, game. But... I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, bet against the Wanderers. Uh, they're still uh, finding a way to at least. They, they have only lost two games um, in the in the last six. So, but I mean, I think you know the fact that mm. they they have only won two in the last six is just testimony to how well they've done since about November the third. Yeah, because uh, they put in such a, a strong, consistent run of performances from yeah. that point onwards. They can afford to to drop a few points at the tail end. Um, but again, it just goes back to how tight the, the top of the table is this year. We, I think was it last week we were talking about the number of changeovers that the uh, teams have led the top, and this season is uh, the record, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so Stato and do yeah. at the FFA came back and confirmed to us that I think it's five different teams have been on the top since the beginning of since round six. So the last the last five weeks, there's been four different um, leaders. That's insane. In the last five weeks, and and with all four teams playing each other this weekend, you know you could probably you'll probably get another change at the top as well. Yeah. Um, unless you know Brisbane, do you think do you think they'll beat City away? Do you think they'll be able to get a point or? I think it'll be a, a good very, result very there. Good match. Um, I, there is an element of an unpredictability about all of them as well. A lot of them have dropped points when you least expected them yeah. to, uh, and. Uh, Teams have been thumped uh, when they were at the top, and you you just did not see that coming. Brisbane Roar have had a few trouncings along the way. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're still they're still top of the league. Yeah, they come off the back of a a, a resounding five 0 win over victory. Um, but we, obviously, we're just we're talking about Wanderers there as well. They they host Adelaide on Saturday night. It, this is two Spanish influenced teams going going head to head. Con, you care to give a prediction on this? Well, or predictable I, game. I think if the Wanderers can get some good results in the next two games against, um, they play Adelaide and then they play Melbourne Victory, then you know I I, uh, I, I give them a good shot of being um, premiers. But uh, I think at home they'll beat Adelaide. Yeah. Luis Garcia will have the weekend off, so he can take a trip down and see his, <laughs> his compatriots. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bad mouth a few refs while he's at it. Central Coast will host Sydney FC the early game on on the Saturday, and then Sunday double header Phoenix will play Perth Glory and Victory Newcastle Jets. Do you think there'll be any any further changes on that the, the last few places that the bottom the top six? I can see, you know, if, if Jets can just make that step up from where they are at the moment, I can see them challenging and uh, really putting victory under pressure. 
Victor are in dire straits at the moment, uh, and Jets aren't quite convincing enough to say for sure that they're really going to put them under pressure, but I think it won't take much to put them into that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, nah, the rest of it's signed, sealed and delivered. I reckon uh, the Jets, I-, I agree with Kevin, Melbourne Beach are playing in the Asian Champions League this week, and then they play um, Melbourne. Uh, they play the Jets on uh, Sunday, I think it's at 5. Um, and then the next week, uh, Newcastle Jets play Perth Glory, so if the Jets can win the next two games... They could be in a shout for mm. that top six position. And Sydney FC, I mean, they've got the Mariners, which they should win, but I, um, I don't know, anything can happen with them. But then they've got Brisbane Raw. So, um, yeah, I think uh, after I wrote off the Jets' chances for most of the year, I reckon they're in with a good shout. Yeah. Very good. Let's, let's leave it there. As, as Con mentioned, victory take on Suwon Blue Wings tonight in the Asian Champions League. Sydney FC will travel to Pohang Steelers uh, tomorrow. Um, as we leave, um, Premiers, who do you think will win? Kev? Ooh, wasn't expecting that one. Oh. Um, Four rounds left to go. Let's make a prediction. That's, that's a tough one, actually. I'd, I'd, if I had to choose one... Possibly, who deserves it most? Probably Melbourne City. Melbourne City. I have a feeling Brisbane might clinch it at the end there. Brisbane, different one. Con. I reckon Melbourne City. Melbourne City. Yeah. Um, I have to say, although I want, I think Melbourne City to deserve it. I think probably you're right. Brisbane Roar will probably will get it. Um, I'll go Adelaide then. Gents, nice one. Let's leave it there. It's been a bumper. An hour and ten minutes. there, uh, there is a chance we might even be on video for this one. Ooh. Editor Tyler We are being videoed as we speak, um, hence why we've all got our glad rags on. But, um, but gents, um, thanks for that. And we'll. Um, new issue, go and buy it. Yes, new issue. Luis Garcia on the front cover, kicking a football on the beach. Um, very sexy cover. It is. Go, go into your news agents and buy it now. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you next week. Ta. Thanks. Nice.